Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Hi, I'm Phil Hughes. And I'm Jen Doherty. We're the creators of The Workshop Presents. And you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show Season 2, where we talk about some movies and read some fiction. If you want to go ahead and get a hold of the show, you can always contact me at Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook or Aaron Horror Show on Twitter or Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, I am Kalachki. And thank you for listening to Aaron's Christmas show. I mean, Aaron's horror show. No, no, actually, Christmas. It's no longer horror show. Anyways, I want to talk to you about my favorite Christmas movie, or at least one of them. It is called Mighty Ducks. It is a great Minnesota tale, set in Minneapolis. Lots of tales about workers striving up to take power and Take over the... Okay, okay. I don't know if that's what Mighty Ducks is really about. Yes, it is. Great Workers' Rebellion. All with Emilio Estevez and a bunch of kids. You know, it's a metaphor. You know what a metaphor is, don't you? I know what a metaphor is. Yeah, that's what it is. Kids are a worker. Emilio Estevez, great communist leader. Yeah, uh, no. I don't know if that's what it's about. It It is, trust me. Anyways, you see Mighty Ducks, set in Minneapolis, winter, you know. Cold, dark time for the soul. Right, okay then. Uh, well, I think maybe we should go ahead and read some more Christmas Elf Secret Agent. We want to go ahead and get through it in time for Christmas. I don't think we're going to. Well, we're going to get through most of it. Okay, fine. Maybe we read the rest of it after Christmas? Yeah, I guess I could stick around here for a little bit after Christmas. All right, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, 
dogs and cats and whoever happens to be listening. Here's my story. I'm Jing, and I'm a Christmas elf. Silver bells, silver bells. It's Christmas time in the city. Jing woke up in a tall brown grass staring at the blue sky. There were very few clouds, and the winter air was crisp and cold. He almost stayed to watch the world drift by when he turned to see a burnt silver bell that landed near his head. A hotel, the missile, and the children all came flooding back to him. He popped up and saw that there was a crater where the room used to be, and a brush fire spreading towards him. Amelia, he called out. Elijah. He ran towards the blaze, calling their name. It felt as if he was running for a long time when he heard a groan from the bush off to the side. He sprinted towards the noise. Elijah slumped in the grass and wobbled. His hair was mussed. Black smudges marred his face. His clothes were shredded by his tumble. Hey, buddy, Jing said, and pat the kid's back. We gotta find your sister. I, I don't want to go on the ride anymore. You can have my pass, Elijah said. Come on, come on. You're on the lamb, remember? Jing tugged at the boy. I don't like lamb. Snap out of it, Jing yelled and shook the child. He realized that the same tactics he would use on the fallen comrade might not be the best ones for children. Maybe the loss of Stephen had made him soft. He didn't care now. He helped Elijah to his feet. He scanned for Amelia. That's when he saw her on the other side of the brush fire, wandering the road near the hotel. She was just as banged up as Elijah, but overall it didn't seem like she had any significant damage. A car driving down the road slammed on the brakes. Come on, Jing said and helped Elijah towards his sister. They had to go around the fire. The two middle-aged women climbed out of the car and ran towards Amelia. Jing called out to them and waved his hands, but they didn't seem to notice. There was a brief interaction between Amelia and the women. One of them got on the phone. The inferno flared, and their path around the fire was blocked off. Jing saw a point where the blaze was still thin, and he figured he could probably jump it. However, he couldn't leave Elijah in his state. Jing backed away from the flame. He would have to take the long way around. By the time Jing got to the other side of the fire, Elijah was more aware and walking on his own. They emerged from the woods and were untouched by the brush fire. There were emergency services everywhere. They saw Amelia get packed up into a ambulance and took off towards Seattle. Elijah ran towards the police barrier, and Jing held him back and dragged Elijah back into the tree line. The boy cried out, Come on! We need to let the police know that that's my sister! Jing said, Look, by the police, Captain, over there. He pointed to a man in charge of the operation. He was talking to a short female. She was wearing a pointy hat. It was glitter. She scanned the tree line while they spoke. Both fugitives stuck further back into the woods. Where do you think they're taking her? To the hospital of the city, I guess, Jing said. Well, come on, kid. That's where we're going. Jing and Elijah walked for a few hours in the woods that were parallel to the road. Once the errant SCF was sure they weren't in danger of being spotted by an elf, he told Elijah to wait and flag down the next car to drive by. It was an old VW bus, 
The man at the wheel smelled like incense that Jing's neighbor used to burn whenever he got home from Colorado. The man rolled down his window and a smoky haze drifted from the car. He was dressed in big baggy clothes and had mangy hair. Before the man could react, Jing pounced with his festive dagger. He jumped through the window and pressed the blade to the guy's throat. A bead of blood appeared on the tip. Get out of the car! Get out of the car! On the ground! On the ground! Jing yelled, and the man shakily complied. Elijah ran up and said, What are you doing? I'm getting us a car, Jing said. Now get it. The guy probably would have given us a ride, Elijah said as he climbed up through the driver's side of the passenger seat. Jing kept the dagger pointed at the guy and hopped into the driver's seat. He sped off and left the man in the dirt. Elijah shook his head. And you're the one who decides who's naughty and nice? I just report what I see, Jing said. If you have any room to talk, you burned an elf to the ground, alive. Sorry, okay? I thought he was a toy. All I'm saying is that there are other ways to resolve your conflict than pulling a, out a dagger anytime you want something. Toy mafia kingpins don't listen to anything but the dagger. See, that's the problem. Not everyone's trying to screw you over Christmas. Uh, believe it or not, some people are nice. Comes from a kid who hates Christmas. I don't hate Christmas, Elijah pouted. After a moment, Jing softened his voice. So what's the deal? Why do you get all moody when it comes to Christmas? I don't want to talk about it in front of everyone. Everyone, Jing said. We're the only ones here. What about them? Jing said and pointed to the back of the bus. Jing looked up to the rearview mirror and slammed on the brakes. Two more people in the back were dressed like the driver of the bus. They were wide-eyed, staring at the front seat. Jing scolded himself. He was usually much more aware of his surroundings. But the kid had somehow gotten to him. Are you seeing, like, what I'm seeing, dude? Yeah, brah. The other one said, Frank changed into an elf, brah. I thought he got younger. Jing convinced them with his knife to leave the bus. Once the unwanted cargo was offloaded, he sped off towards Seattle. Jing realized Santa was waiting for coordinates. He found a phone in the car. He cleared the Amber Alert message about an elf and two kids and then sent Santa a text message. Got waylaid. Need to save a girl. Be in touch. Jay. Once he was finished, he chucked the phone out the window. He shouldn't have taken any chances. He knew they would try to hack the GPS on the phone as soon as they found out his car was stolen by an elf. The hospital was bustling with people. Patients waited pensively with family members, and they paced in the waiting room. The staff wheeled people around. They looked at charts and crisscrossed the hallways while doing their jobs. Jing and Elijah approached the information desk. A man typed in a keyboard. He didn't bother to glance up at them. Elijah leaned over to his elven companion and said, Let me do the talking. Look, kid, I have way more experience than you. Jing said, Knifing people? Some situations don't require a knife. Elijah poked his head over the top of the desk and said, me and my uncle wanted to see my sister. We just want to know what room she was in. Your uncle is mean, the man said without looking up. What? The boy said. You said me and my uncle. When it's my uncle and I. You don't go around saying me wants to see my sister. So why would you say me and my uncle? 
the guy snapped. I'm sorry. Could, could you just find out what room she's in? You should never end a sentence of preposition with. With what? Exactly. What? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? The dude exploded. I'm not the one saying things like, what room is she in? Or, where are you at? Prepositions are relational words, and you can't have a relationship of one now, can you? Jing glanced back and forth. No one was looking. He reached over the counter and pulled out his knife. He yanked the man down and pressed the dagger against the guy's ear. I had a very tough day, the elf began. You can either look up the room number, or I can cut your ear off. Uh, uh, I'll look it up. Some doctors walked by as Jing let go. No one seemed to notice. He grinned at the kid and said, The dagger seemed pretty useful there. Elijah groaned. For an elf who's supposed to teach me the spirit of Christmas and set a good example, you're pretty lousy at it. My only Christmas spirit is making sure you don't die. 314, the man said. Jing thanked him and threatened to take the other ear if he told it. Elijah walked over to the nearest elevator and hit the button. Jing pulled the kid away and said, What are you doing? Going to get my sister, Elijah said. Don't you think they'll be expecting that? There are probably elves outside her room already, Jing said. What do we do? We take the stairs. Jing led the kid to the nearest stairwell. Once they were out of sight, the man at the desk picked up the phone. Once they got to the third floor landing, Jing pulled away the kid from the door. But it's right there, Elijah protested. They're watching the entrances and the exits of the stairwells, Jing said as they climbed to the fourth floor. How do you know that? Because that's what I would do. On the fourth floor landing, Jing cracked open the door. After a brief inspection, he popped out into the open. They stepped into the hallway. There wasn't anybody in the entrance apart from a nurse over at the nursing station. She browsed a magazine. She, he turned the child away from the desk, and they rounded the corner. They walked down the hallway until they got to a family visit. There was empty chairs and tables. A forlorn coffee maker was on top of the kitchenette countertop. Jing stood on the table and raised his arm towards the ceiling. He shot tinsel and hoisted himself upwards. The iron as he had pushed the ceiling tile out of the way and shimmied inside. He motioned for Elijah to follow. The kid had climbed the table, and Jing lowered some tinsel. Kid tugged on it. It's enough strength to suspend a reindeer in midair, Jing said. Eliza shrugged and grabbed hold. Jing hoisted the kid up. Once they were both above the ceiling tiles among the ventilation and wiring, he replaced the one he had disturbed. The space was as open as it could be, except for some ventilation shafts, large clusters of pipes, and the crisscross of rungs supporting the crawl space. He could see from one end of the floor to the other. He turned to his charge and said, a couple of rules. First, put your weight on the middle bars, not the tiles, or you'll fall through. Second, keep quiet. If we get separated, you just shut up and stay put. I'll circle back and get you. How are we going to get to the third floor? Elijah said. You ever climb down a meeting shaft? The boy shook his head. You're about to. Jing smiled. They crawled through the ceiling, following the wiring and all the internal workings until they came to a maintenance tunnel that rose vertically through the building. There was a beam in the center that served as a ladder. It was more of a metal bar with rungs than a climbing tool. 
Jing scurried onto the bar. As soon as Lighter poked his head in the shaft and could see the clear down to the basement, he shook his head and leaned back into safety. No way. I'm not doing that, Elijah said. You can put me on the naughty list. I don't care. One, Jing said. You're already on the naughty list. And two, I need you to come with me. We're safer that way. I'll just go down and wait in the lobby. I can't risk losing you, too. For better or worse, kid, you're stuck with me. Now come on. Jing held out his hand. Elijah grabbed it, and after a moment or two of indecision, he breathed deeply and made a leap into the beam. They scaled down to the next floor, to the space above the ceiling tiles. Uh, how do we know where to go, Elijah said, and Jing held his finger over his mouth. Jing pointed to the ceiling tile and peeked through the crack. He gestured in the opposite direction that they spread out searching the floor for the right room. Once they found out where she was located, they gathered above her spot. Jing was lucky that the crawl space was so open. He had been in some buildings where the space above the ceiling tiles was too cluttered to travel between rooms. He cracked the tile and glanced inside the area where Amelia was being examined. Kolochki had beaten him to it. The lumbering elf stood watching the corner. The crash had burned his arm and side of his face. Amelia had her back to her captor. She seemed no worse for wear and was talking to a doctor. Could you wait outside with the others? The doctor said. Orders are orders. Kolachki replied with his thick accent. The doctor continued the examination of Amelia. Jing shimmied his way towards what would be above a hallway leading to the examination area. He peeked through the ceiling. Glitter stood with a couple of elf goons in suits talking to police officers. She was wearing human clothing too and looked irritated by everyone. Jing knew she was only acting. She put on human clothes. I know you feds have jurisdiction, the officer began. We're the only here to help. A lobby employee was assaulted by a kidnapper uh, not more than just a few minutes ago. I told you the knife isn't always the best, Elijah whispered, and Jinx shushed the child. And that guy is a highly trained killer. We're prepared for the situation. You will only get in the way, one of the elf goons said, and Glitter jabbed him. Jing understood how she felt. All the SEF had a collection of fake badges from the various government organizations of the world. It was easier to pretend to be a part of the human world when it came to dealing with officials rather than try to convince them that they were from the North Pole and Santa was real. Jing usually skipped all the badge nonsense and would incapacitate any human law enforcement personnel. He pulled out a red ornament with flecks of silver dotting the side. He was about to drop it into the conversation when he decided against it. Glitter only had two henchmen with her. There had to be other elves hiding out close by. He could take her and her escorts. Klatchki shouldn't be a problem either, but he didn't know what else he had to contend with. He didn't need to take all of them down. Just get the girl and get out. Hey, kid, Jing whispered. It's Elijah, the boy scolded. Jing didn't have time to argue. He was lucky Glitter was in the middle of a heated conversation with the cops. Come on. They crawled back to the tiles over where Amelia was getting her exam. Jing could see a set of wheels sticking out from the examination bed. It was mobile. Do you think you can move that bed in front of the door? Elijah said. Yeah, I think so. Good. I want you to block that door as fast as you can. Jing crawled over the tile above Kalachki. 
He quickly removed the ceiling and pointed his shoes at the elf's head. He nodded to Elijah and everything happened at once. Jing jumped down, aiming his deadly festive footwear at the large elf's head. Elijah took a more cautious approach and lowered himself into the bed and Amelia was sitting on. Klotchka heard the whoosh of air and dodged the fatal blow. The shoes connected to his shoulder and the blood from the wound. Before Jing could yank his feet out, Klotchka grabbed the attacker by the leg, ripped him free, and pounded him against the wall. Each blow knocked the wind out of the wayward SEF. Come on, Amelia! Elijah yelled as he hopped off the bed and pushed towards the door. Help me! The bewildered doctor said, Where did you come from? Amelia helped her brother push and they slammed the bed into the door just as Glitter attempted to open it. Meanwhile, the battle between the two elite elves wasn't going well. Jing managed to get his leg free, but was only to receive a fist in the gut that sent him flying across the room. Had there been any wind left, the errant elf would have lost the last of it. He was temporarily stunned by the impact. Glitter strained against the door. But the kids were able to keep it from budging. Kalachi clumped towards Jing. What are you doing? The doctor yelled. This is a hospital. Kalachi didn't skip a beat. He reached out and broke the doctor's neck on his path to the target. The door opened a little further, and the more elf hands joined Glitter. The kids could barely keep the bed from rolling back. Elijah had an idea. He kicked the wheel a couple times until it broke off and then he set to work on another one. Once the friction of the makeshift blockade's contact on the floor was significant, the headway the elves in the hall we were gaining came to a halt. Jing pulled two razor snowflakes from his pouch and hurled them at the approaching Kolochki. The stoic elf blocked them with a bare arm. The one meant for his face was embedded in his palm, and the other was in his forearm. He yanked them out without so much as a flinch and grinned as he brought his fists up. Just as Jing's life flashed before his eyes, the Eastern European elf fell over and collapsed to the ground. Amelia stood behind him with an empty syringe. A sable prosmazine malate makes horses sleepy. I figured work on him. See, you don't need to always have to kill people, she said. Where'd you learn that? Elijah yelped. I sometimes read Mommy's veterinary books when she is not looking. Jing noticed there was no longer pounding on the door. Kids, Jing said. Hold on to me. They grabbed him and he shot tinsel into the ceiling. He pressed a button and the three of them crashed through the tile above their heads. Glitter's grinning face met them in the crawl space. She had a team of tactiles backing her up. Jing didn't give her time to react. He smashed a snow globe from his pouch onto her face. It shattered and filled the space with an unnatural blizzard. He rushed the children toward the maintenance shaft they had used earlier. He handed Elijah a strand of tinsel so the kid would be tethered to them as they crawled through the whiteout. Amelia gripped his arms. They scampered towards their destination using only Jing's keen sense of direction. He could hear the screams of glitter fading behind them with fire of candy cane guns. The stray candy cane bullet whizzed by his head. He had miscalculated the distance, and his hand reached out in thin air. He lurched forward and caught himself. Amelia almost went into the shaft, but he stopped her too. Elijah bumped into them. One of the tact elves had blundered his way towards them and grabbed hold of Elijah. 
Ernie and the thug a smack in the face. Once the kid was free, Jing told them to grab hold. The children wrapped their arms and legs around his midsection. The blundering goon made one last swipe at them as they launched into the shaft. His screams could be heard echoing as he plummeted into the chasm. Jing got a hold of the beam in the center and slid down out of the blizzard, all the way to the lowest sub-basement. The mangled tactile groan. Jing ignored him and he ushered the kids through a hatch. They stumbled in, into a basement hall. Jing pulled a Christmas light lantern from his bag and filled the area with a green light. There should be an entrance to the utility tunnels or sewers down here, Jing said as he led them down the hallway. Why don't we just leave? All your friends are upstairs, Elijah said. They know we were coming and set a trap, Jing said, which means they're watching the exits now and they know we're in here. After a few twists and turns, they came to a cage that blocked the entry into the city utility tunnels. There was a thick padlock on the door. Jing pulled out a set of red and silver lockpicks and told Elijah to hold the light. Amelia stood close by and they stared into the darkness. Why is everything so Christmas looking with you guys? Elijah asked while Jing fiddled with the lock. It's our job. We work Christmas 365 days of the year. Jing said as he felt inside the lock. Yeah, but why? What's in it for you? My house. Vacation. Adults work, you know. It's what we do. Yeah, but you, you could have been a vet like my mom or high school principal like my dad. Jing stopped for a moment. He shrugged and muttered something about needing to concentrate. Jing didn't really have a right answer to the question. Pretty much every elf who lived in North Pole worked for Santa or supported those who did. Even Holly, the village chocolatier, indirectly worked in the support of Christmas by providing chocolate as a much-needed respite from the drudgery of making sure every year that the holiday went off without a hitch. If an elf wanted to live in their hometown, they needed to work for the operation that Santa had built over the years. While Jing wasn't the oldest elf around, he knew his history. The Claus family ran all the winter holiday festivals. A demon named Krampus had a stake in the holiday around the solstice where pagans would bring evergreen trees to their houses and brighten the darkest months of the year most likely to keep a wicked creature from going after their kids. From what Jing had heard, Krampus had a racket going where people would celebrate his holiday season to keep him away. Santa and Krampus eventually merged their enterprises. There was no sense in having competing holidays so close together, and Christmas Jing fought to protect the world knew it was created between them. The split between the partners happened not long before Jing was born. While Jing never knew why they split, the smear campaign against Krampus was thorough. The losing of a partner forced into early retirement in Antarctica, or, or so Jing thought. Elijah's question about why he worked to support Christmas made Jing realize that the holiday was just a part of who he was. Just like a patriot who loved his homeland, Jing loved Christmas. No one could take that out of him. If Jing felt so strongly about the holiday that consumed his life, maybe Krampus would feel the same way too. It didn't make sense on its own that Glitter, Kolochki, and the rest of them would go rogue without someone on the outside having influence. Jing couldn't see what they had to gain because as an SEF, he had a good life. One of the best an elf could hope for. Krampus had gotten to them somehow, and Jing was sure of it. He heard a click and the lock popped open. 
They filed into the utility tunnels of the city, and Jing locked the door behind him. Glitter would eventually figure out they had escaped, but only after a thorough sweep of the building. The wayward SEF felt like they finally had enough time to figure something out, but he needed to get some information first. He needed to find out what Santa knew about his ex-partner, Krampus. That was another uh, chapter of Christmas Elf, uh, Secret Agent here. And uh, I just fed my captors some milk and cookies, and they're asleep right now. So I got some time before I could wander out of the studio and uh, never see these guys again and get back to being an actual horror show around here. Am I right? Am I right? All right, well, uh, before I go here, Aaron Hunter, he's on Mondays, I'm on Tuesdays, Terry in his Mysterious Moments is on uh, Wednesdays, and of course, Patrick Sean Jones is taking a little bit of a hiatus, and don't forget this cool video series with some paranormal investigations we have for you. Ow! Guys! Uh, we trick you. We pretend to fall asleep for milk and cookies. Milk and cookies do not make elves fall asleep. Elves do not even like milk and cookies. Way too much of them when working for Santa, you see? We we like other things. Yeah, I like a martini. Shaken. Actually, stirred. Yeah, stirred, not shaken. Uh, he, he, I don't know what is up with him. You you shake drinks, right? Huh? You know you know what I, you know what I mean. Uh, anyways. You know, I I think this this story is so good that that every show should every podcast should should have our story. Am I right, Jing? Yeah, I guess you're right. Good. I I'm glad you agree. So so maybe we take over the world and and uh, you know have every podcast show ours. How are you gonna do that? Point laser beam at core. Threaten to stop it from spinning. I think that was a movie in the 90s. No, no, don't worry about movie in the 90s. We do laser at the core of the earth, and then every podcast play our story. Hmm. Good work. Good idea. All right, you heard that. We're taking the world hostage. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone do our story now. <laughs> Everything.